0: This fall, we have been talking through this idea of being stuck. All right? Uh, just stuck. And I'm not even going to have a whole lot of slides today. All right? Uh, but the, our idea of stuck is this. Like, when a, when a turtle gets flipped on its back, it's stuck. Okay? And, and anything else that turtle was planning on doing, if it was on its way across the road, if it was on its way into a pond, on its way to eat something, like, none of that matters anymore as long as the turtle is stuck. Like, it just, until it's unstuck, it cannot focus on anything else. Uh, And our heart has been this, that, like, I think for a lot of us, there are things in our life, whether we realize it or not, that are causing us to be stuck, all right? And and it just kind of leaves us in this place where I think God wants to do stuff in our life, God wants to do things through us, and we are unable to even realize that and notice it and recognize what God is doing because we are stuck in some way or another. And so our goal for this fall has really been to just kind of talk through what are some major things that we think are in our society, in our culture, in our lives, in our church uh, that are causing us to be stuck and, and really hindering us from taking the next steps that God would want us to do. All right, and so for, for the past few weeks, we have been looking at an idea of, of mental health. And I think that for a lot of people, like, this is big. And, it, and if it wasn't, I think we realized over the last 18 months that for a lot of people, this became very big. All right, and, uh, and, and I think that it's such an important thing for us to be able to kind of slow down and, and recognize and then have the right conversations surrounding it, all right? Um, And and I don't think it's a conversation that many of us have often. Like, I don't know if at your dinner table or with your coworkers or with friends, like, you quite regularly talk about mental health. It's kind of this, it's been a, a taboo thing for some reason for so many years, and it's kind of left us in a place where I don't think it's talked about as often as it probably should be. All right, and I don't necessarily feel super qualified uh, to talk about this. So I'm excited today. Uh, The last few weeks, we've kind of talked about it in a few different ways, but today, our goal is to have a conversation surrounding uh, what I would say would be the much heavier side of mental health the heavier side of depression, anxiety, things like that. Uh, And shortly here, I actually have uh, my therapist here today because I go to a doctor, I go to an endocrinologist. I go to a therapist. It's just kind of this idea of I go to a dentist, I go to an eye doctor. Like, we want to keep our body moving forward. Uh, and, and he has a unique background that I think is going to be great for us. Uh, and, and we're going to have a conversation. And it's going to be a conversation that we're kind of just all sitting in on and part of. All right? And, and so this last week, Sock Center, they've actually been going through kind of the same stuff. But we had baptisms four weeks ago or so. They're having baptisms today. So we've been a week behind them. And last week, Pastor Kyle interviewed uh, a woman from the Sox Center Church. And for her story, she kind of was very transparent and shared a lot of what has gone on in her life. Uh, She has what is called major depressive disorder. And Kyle and I met with her early on um, prior to kind of jumping into any of the mental health discussion and just talked with her of, hey, can you just kind of, can you be transparent with us? Can you, can you share what your life has been like? The, the ups and the downs, where God has shown up, how these different things, how you've seen it. And some of the things that she shared with us were, were amazing. Uh, one of which I, I want to share, it's super helpful. She talked about how her doctor had talked with her. And she said, it, if you can imagine a globe, like everyone kind of picture a globe, a, just kind of a, a flat map of the earth, big sphere. She said, and if the southern pole is depression, depressive, and, and the, the north pole is manic, which if you're not sure, and I wasn't either, and you even try and kind of look that up, and you're like, this is a weird definition. I was talking with Steve, and he said, basically, it, that's like, yes, it's happy, but it's like too happy. Right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that person, you're like, that's not, that's not uh, stable, we'll say, and because the equator is stable. All right, And she said most people, most of us, would live our life in a range that kind of goes just below the equator. Like we have those bad days where we kind of drop down. And then we we kind of go up, maybe up into even like the United States. And we kind of follow this path. And th- that's where our life goes. We have, we have good days. We have days that are a little rough. And that's where we're at. Uh, for Michelle, she was saying that, Uh, Where she operates is basically from the South Pole, and some days can kind of get close to the equator. That's that's just how her brain works. And she's kind of in that spot. And what it painted was this picture of, like, there are times where my worst days would be her best days. And she would love to have some of my worst days. Um, And it's something that then basically puts me in a spot where I... I don't really always understand where she's coming from because I don't have this experience that she has. Uh, And it's important then to just kind of sit back and sometimes listen. Uh, And listening to her talk has been helpful, uh, hearing other personal stories, talking with the right people. Uh, This last weekend, last Friday, at our house, all of a sudden through our vents, our heater kicked on because we turned our heat on for like the first time. Anybody else just turn their heat on? Anyone else then run into issues when you just turned your heat on? I'm the only poor sap. Okay, all right, Bonnie as well. And this time of year, like, you can't get plumbers because everyone's having issues. We call a plumber, and they're like, well, it's weekend rates, da-da-da-da. we are like, okay, we'll wait till Monday. We're going to make it through the weekend. It wasn't that bad. Because when we turned the boiler on, it made these awful noises. Like, it was like this... uh, I have a video on my phone and I showed some people and they're like, well, I think it might be this or I think it might be that. And it, it sounded terrible. Like I thought our house was just going to explode. So we shut it off. Well, I, I finally, on Monday, we have a plumber that comes and they stop in and I'm standing there watching him work because I want to try and learn. And he's looking at it and he turns it on and I'm like, okay, there's that noise, right? And it, and it just is this terrible noise. He's kind of looking around, he's pressing on things and doing this. And all of a sudden, he, he gets out this little bottle, goes out to the, his truck, comes back in with this little bottle, and he squirts some oil on a fan. All right, and, and, okay, in my defense, it still took a little while, and he's like, I don't know if it's working, and, and all of a sudden, something kind of broke loose. The fan took off, and everything was fine. All right, it, and then... The worst kicker was we're sitting there and he's like, hey, there's this little sticker here. And it says, annually apply nine to ten drops of turbine oil. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. (laughs) You know, and like some of these things were like, I just am kind of dumb when it comes to some of these things. I felt a little bit better that he did not walk in and immediately know what it was. He was doing all sorts of other stuff first. Felt a little bit better that when I showed a video to some people that are much smarter than me, they were kind of like, eh, it could be this, could be this. But the reality is in that moment, I had no experience, I had no background, I, I, I just was a little bit dumb walking into that. And I needed someone with a lot more experience, a lot more smarts, a lot more whatever, to come alongside me and kind of point it out. And here's the thing that I was thinking about as I I was watching this. I'm like, that was a simple fix. And sometimes in life, there is a simple fix. Sometimes in life, it's actually much more difficult. And if you try a simple fix and then let everything run, you actually, I mean, if if it was something else with my boiler, and I just squirted some oil in random spots on the boiler, and we're like, okay, I think we're good. And we let it run all weekend. Like, it could blow the entire system, and, and then that's a whole different issue. And there are times in life where a simple fix does not suffice, and trying a simple fix and pushing forward can actually cause a lot of damage. And I think that in some of these, what we need is we need someone who, who's a little bit more intelligent than us, or maybe just has more experience than us, to come alongside and help point us in the right direction. All right? Andy Stanley, famous pastor, he has this quote that I love. He says, the further you are from the problem, the simpler and easier the solution seems. All right? Think about this. When you're sitting on your couch, watching the Vikings, screaming at the TV, come on, Zimmer, this is simple. I don't know why you did that. I could have figured this out. You got some distance between you and that sideline, and you're like, I know exactly what needs to happen to make this team win. All right? Now, if you're standing on the sidelines, you have the clipboard. Like, that's a different story. The further you are from the problem, the simpler and easier the solution going to seem, all right? And, and for me, I used to be incredibly far from this problem, and really, actually, I messaged Emily's family and said, hey, can I share a little bit? And I just, over the years, uh, in Emily's family, all of them except Emily at this point are, uh, they, they struggle with depression. And at this point, all of them are on medication of some type. And I never used to know what I thought about that. But I'll tell you this, as I've been close to a family and watched this, for some people in the family, it is night and day difference. And there are times where I'm like, this is the person that you were meant to be. Like, this makes sense. And like, it really opened up my eyes. And then at the last church I was at, at some point I, I, I was going to do a sermon on mental health. And I started kind of researching some of this and talking with different people. And it really actually kind of opened my eyes. I it was a, a little bit of a scary moment as I'm reading through this, and I'm saying, wow, I'm learning about depression right now. And a lot of these things I'm reading have been very present in my life for the last few months. And they seem to happen every once in a while here. And it really kind of led me to a place of realizing that, like, wow, I, there are some things in my life that I need to, to move and get to a healthier spot. And so what I want to challenge us with this morning is that we would just be ready to like have an open mind and kind of move in, in a direction that maybe maybe we don't really know where we're going, but we would just be ready to say, God, I, I want to hear from you. Because I think we have probably four different categories of people in the room this morning. We have people that, as we talk about mental health, this is you, and you resonate with what we're, we're talking about. All right, and this makes a lot of sense to you. We have people in the room that you have someone that you love, that you are close to, and they are dealing with this. All right, and so you've seen kind of firsthand some of this. And We have people in the room that maybe you have not had firsthand experience, but you're kind of like, okay, this seems to be something that's, that's on the rise, and maybe for various reasons and whatever, and, and I'm open to kind of hearing about this, and I, and I want to feel more equipped. And I think of fourth category is we have people in the room where it's like, this just isn't real. This is made a, a big deal by, by a few people or a lot of people, but really there, there's an answer to this, and here's what the answer is, and this is what you need to do. All right, and I think that we probably all fit into one of those four categories, and I want us just to be ready uh, and open this morning for God to just kind of speak to us, uh, and, and maybe for us to be open to, to a new thought that we haven't had before. So I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then uh, after I'm done praying, Steve is going to join me, uh, and, I, and I'm excited as we just kind of begin to have a conversation with us. So, God, I, I pray that your, your voice would be so present. God, I think sometimes in these areas that, that can be confusing, could be difficult, can be scary, God, that it's easy to kind of start throwing out opinions and our thoughts and this. And God, we, we want to hear from you this morning. So God, we, we pray that you would just be so present in this conversation and in this time that we have, God. We ask that in your name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so we, Steve is going to come and join me. A couple of the ushers are going to help us just kind of get ready up here. And then we're going to have a conversation here. So, Alright, Steve, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, a little bit of your background I uh, kind of let people
1: get to know you. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. So I, uh, I grew up in Verndale, farm kid. Uh, thought that would kind of be my life. I enjoyed farming. Um, but then I just sensed a call from God to, just to be in ministry. And... Uh, So that was a shift in my early 20s. Went to college, you know, eventually worked my way into ministry, served in a church uh, up in Pine River, actually, for a number of years. And it was during that time that I really kind of found I uh, I was doing far better ministry, doing counseling work, counseling with people, Uh, than I was uh, pastoring, uh, preaching. Preaching ministry was not... I I told Josiah, I said, I think I led more people to the Lord in a counseling office than I did from a a pulpit. And uh, so that kind of drew me into more of the counseling realm and trying to figure that out. Um, Eventually, you know, after a lot of prayer... uh, decided to pursue uh, becoming a licensed marriage and family therapist and uh, enrolled at St. Cloud State University and by God's grace had a born-again spirit-filled professor that was kinda in the leadership of that program. And how many of you know, God, you, you start, you, you move a direction and God begins to open doors, right? It was just, it was a, a beautiful thing. Um, after a series of that, uh, going, while I was in grad school, then I resigned from the church and started working for Catholic Charities while I was in grad school, and then after grad school, got connected with uh, Freshwater Special Ed, and I worked in high schools in Todd County, all the, all those, all the high schools in Todd County for uh, seven and a half years, so... I was over here in Long, if, if somebody asks you, where were you on 9-11, I was in the high school right over here um, as that event was unfolding. Uh, but yeah, worked for Freshwater for seven and a half years and then got involved in mental health through Nystrom's and Associates and then did that for a year. And then I, you know, I told my, my director, I said, you know, I'm getting too old for this. I, um, if I if I don't start private practice pretty soon, I'm just going to age out of it. So, uh, anyway, it's about twelve years ago I opened a private practice up in Brainerd called Lakes Country Counseling. So you went you went to a state college, and
0: your professor was a born again, spirit filled believer.
1: Unreal, isn't it? <laughs> huh? Yeah, that, I think started it? writing papers. You know, in grad school, you got to write a lot of papers. I'm writing papers, and, and they all kind of got kind of this Christian slant to it because that's, that's central in my life. And so he's writing notes. He's like, eh, we should talk. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just uh, a great relationship. that I, I still keep in contact with him now still today, and it's been, what, 22 years. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's awesome because I, th- I think for a lot of people like any anytime, anytime we start to think of like sciences or or uh, some of these and, and I think that the mental health world falls in this that there's this idea that it's incredibly
1: secularized and it is it is th- that you can't deny that right yep. you can't deny it, but there is there is still a, a an element you know for believers to work in in this field and to be used by God and to you know help walk through life, you know, we're, we're, we're joining a journey. Mm. And, and there are believers that are in this field. So I think the first place
0: I want to go is I want to just jump into this idea of I think within, within the church world, within the Christian world, uh, there are definitely some stigmas that surround mental health. Um, and I think there are stigmas that, are, that surround the idea of medication uh, going and seeing somebody, um, kind of all these different ideas that the thought is is that shouldn't be needed, that other things could kind of handle that. Like, what? just some of those stigmas that you've heard, talk about those. What, what have been your thoughts? What are some of the main things you hear from maybe more the church world or Christians that have kind of maybe even butted up against your experience as someone who works in this field?
1: Well, you know, the... the Yeah, that's a that's a difficult question to answer, I guess, you know, because you do get pushed back, right? You're you're believing so so did you have When I told people that I was going to St. Cloud State they said did you have to denounce your faith to be able to enter that university?" No, it wasn't anything like that. In fact, it was uh, for me in my experience and I know it's different for everybody and I know that that campus is going through a lot of turmoil right now I, I do know that but uh for me it was like god opened a door for me and it was a it was a beautiful thing i'm very thankful for the opportunity and to get a secular you know i i believe that i came into it with a a very uh spiritually minded perspective but you know th- there's uh, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm going down a rabbit trail here, but I, you know, there there are some secular things that are that are helpful. It's not like it's all, you know. There there are good things that there's that help to shape your perspective and your work. So I think it's to, kind good of to like have maybe a exercise, approach,
0: right? Like I don't have to do like a Christian exercise to get my body in shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what about some of the other stigmas that I think kind of surround, um, I I think a big one is the idea of medication. Like what, what has been your experience with that?
1: Well, you know, I, I take medication for a blood pressure thing. I got, I got to wear, I got to wear glasses to, to see better. They, they help me to see more normally, and I think that there are, there is a time and a place for medication. It just—it's uh, uh, like kind of what you were describing for Emily's family. There are people that, you know, the medication helps to bring a sense of normalcy, so that then, so then they have a, a, a good starting point to do the work. It's 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 a helpful way to get to where you want to be in your working and you're walking through life.
0: Yeah, I think as we were talking, one of the things you had said that jumped out to me was like it's kind of meant to, for some people help get back to a place of functioning so that you can kind of be at this place where it's almost <laughs> it's going to sound weird and, and that, that you're back on kind of even ground with some of the people around you and the idea of like, this helps me be able to, to function the way that, that I think God intended me to function.
1: Yeah, thinking straight.
0: It's kind of like, I I could walk around without glasses, but it might be a little blurry, and I might bump into some (laughs) things, and it may not be great. All right. Um, I think some people like to, like, we think of mental health, and we kind of categorize it um, as, like, okay, there are some people that they're in this camp where they need medication, and this is what it should look like, and da-da-da-da. And then there's other people that are on the complete other side, and they should be able to fix kind of some habits and stuff like that, and everything should be able to kind of work out on its own. Um, and I think we like to try and separate those people into kind of like two categories, two camps. Uh, but you had kind of shared a story with me uh, talking about a, a hockey camp that you, went, you weren't even at, but you went and kind of like watch something that hit you and kind of brought a different idea to your head there um, uh, of really kind of this idea that, that it's not like the medication side though completely is all somebody needs, and this category, all they need is better habits, that, that it was more of kind of a, a both and. And share, share that idea of the, the hockey camp and just kind okay. of what, what happened.
1: Well, <clears throat> when I was uh, 13 years old, I was able to go with my grandparents in uh, one of these Airstream caravans they used to have. He, my grandpa bought it over here in Long Prairie with heart trailers or whatever it was way back when. And uh, and this was like, what, early 70s, I suppose, something like that. We were, we were touring up in Canada for the summer, and what are you going to do? You're up here in these little villages, these little towns. Well, one of them had a hockey camp, so we said, yeah, let's go to the hockey camp. Check that out and just watch, you know. So we're just observing this. And so what they did, they had, they, they had like two dozen guys line up on the blue line and they each have a hockey puck and there's one goalie and it's just like rapid fire one after another. They start on one end and they work their way across the blue line and they're as fast as one after another, they're firing these pucks at this goalie. And he can tell. It was amazing to me because he could just it, he could just tell the trajectory of that puck, and and what he needed to do to block that shot, or if he didn't even need to pay any attention to it. It was it was not going to be anywhere near the net. He could tell in a split second what to do, how to respond to that shot. And so I was telling Josiah, I said, you know, there's lots of times in our lives when. You know we we just have thoughts that are coming in our mind they're just and what do we do with that i mean, we're just com- like we're bombarded with these shots and how do we respond you know how do we take charge of those thoughts because that's really what scripture tells us to do isn't it you know to to take every thought captive and to make it conform well Yes, that's true. That's our desire and that's our intent and that's that's our we have the capacity to do that But it's not as easy as it sounds And there are times when we're just bombarded by things in the world And we need first and foremost we need God's Holy Spirit at work in our lives But there may be times that we need somebody else to come alongside us too and to help us in that walk
0: yeah, so it was when we were talking about that. You kind of, I think the thing that hit me was sometimes we can get into this idea that there's there's a category that medication is all that's needed and that's going to completely fix somebody. And I think that that's what that's what some Christians get worried about. That like that for some people they're taking what we see as biblical truth and what God te- says we should be living our life this way, and they're just completely substituting in this idea of medication or something like that and removing all of that. But more so what, what you were saying to me as we were talking through this is like, no, this is still something everybody needs to do. Everybody kind of across the board needs to have this ability to take thoughts captive and to, to realize that you are going to be bombarded with all these different things of the world um, and, and that the, the medication side of it does not necessarily replace those things. But it hopefully gets you to a place where you aren't being impacted as much. Um, and you're able to then kind of take thoughts captive a little bit easier. And uh, yeah, I just, I found that to be kind of helpful for me. Because I think some people think that it's an either or. And what, what I really came away with when we were talking about that was like, no, it's all of us still have this work to do in our life. And this process of God working in us. Um, Uh, Yeah, and I think that was good. Uh, I think something that's been common within churches or Christian circles is that dealing with mental health in a way, outside of just bringing it to God, kind of shows like a lack of faith. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, faith certainly is... Faith is the bottom line, isn't it? It's faith that, that brings us through um and that is central in our lives but life is is the reality is life gets very very complicated for a lot of people and as much as they want to have faith and their desire to have faith they need somebody to come alongside them and to help them walk through their faith um Somebody like Barnabas, who was an encourager, who was able to help them find their way. I was thinking about, you know, when I was when I was deer hunting as a kid. You know, there was a time when I got really, really lost deer hunting, and there's snow on the ground, and it's cold, and it's getting dark and I'm getting scared. And I didn't know what to do. It was like, no matter where I went, no matter where I turned, nothing was familiar and everything, it was, it was messed up. And I, and I was scared. And the darker it got, the more scared I was. And I think maybe there's an element of that with people who are struggling with mental health issues. You know, they're, they're, they just don't know where to turn or what to do or how to find their way. And they want to have faith. They want to trust God. They want to believe that God is sh- will show them the way. But they need somebody to lead them. If I had had somebody, when I was in... The <laughs> in those woods, in the snow and cold and dark, and said, "Hey, Steve, come on, come over here. Just, just walk with me. Just walk with me." That knew, kind of had some idea on how to, how to figure it out and get out of that situation. What a huge relief that would have been. But I think that oftentimes in mental health, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people of faith who are struggling to walk alongside them and help them find their way in their faith to be able to be functional and healthy and move back to where they're comfortable and, and full of life once again. That's good. If we
0: have someone, that we're close with in our life that is going through a difficult season uh, like this, like, what should we be
1: doing? You know, I think the biggest thing is, is, is uh, listening. Just listen. You don't have to offer any solutions. You don't have to offer any ideas. Always listening is, is the biggest help to most people. I I'm an introvert. It's 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 the work that I do. I Truly enjoy it's a natural fit for me. It's much easier for me to listen than it is to talk but I think just listening and um, You know Beth and I were talking about it just you know, you know It's yes. We pray we believe God is at work in our lives. We 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 pray for people we pray for ourselves but You know sometimes it's it's the need for the body of Christ to strengthen and encourage one another and so you know I think that's really where a big part of where the body of Christ can find its place in ministering to to hurting people is by listening and and then remembering people in prayer and praying for one another lifting them up before the throne
0: That's good, because I think oftentimes, again, some of the thought can be that people are replacing God, replacing the body of Christ with this idea of like secular help type of thing can kind of be the thought that some people have towards this. But what I hear you saying is essentially our best role is to be the body of Christ. I mean, like as as you describe that, I'm like, okay, so we're supposed to be a Christian like that's what they need us to do. We just need to be a Christian. Like we just, like what do they need from us? They they need you to be there for them, to pray for them, to, you know. And I think, oftentimes we are so quick to try and fix things. I think of like the story of Job. And everything was great, really, until his friends opened their mouth. (laughs) Like the friends showing up in the midst of his hurt and pain and tragedy, and sitting there with him, because they sat there with him for a while. And then they all started opening their mouth, thinking they kind of had the answer, and it really just spiraled. Um, And I think sometimes we, I mean, that was some advice I was given as a a younger pastor, of like, what do you do when you walk into a hospital room of a family of someone who's just lost someone? Or, you know, how do you handle those situations? And he was like, don't try to say the right thing. Just be there. Trying to say the right thing is many times going to result in saying the wrong thing. And more often than not, people just appreciate just the presence of someone being there that they're close with and knowing that there's like that support. And
1: life is meant to be shared, isn't it? Yeah. We share life.
0: Well, what would you say to someone that's here today and maybe they feel like this is them and they are connecting with what you're talking about with I feel like I'm going through a difficult season in, in my own mental health. Like what should I be doing about that?
1: Well, I think the, the thing to remember is you're not alone. You're not alone. And there is help and there is hope. And, um, you know, I think that's the central. There, 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 is, there is help and there is hope. God is, God is for you. He's not against you. He is, he is at work in your life that you don't even know not even aware of it you know I often use an analogy of a seed that's planted in the ground and there's a lot going on down there under the ground before it breaks through the surface and God is at work in your life in your situation and you don't even recognize it or see it but it's happening God is there and he's at work for you and I think to be mindful of that and to keep your trust in the Lord and to allow others to gather around you and minister to you in the midst of that. Um, that that's really is where, where we find ourselves with help and hope in Jesus Christ.
0: And for that second part to happen of other people gathering around you, it sounds like it, it is going to require a step of some vulnerability.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's the quicker we come to terms with the fact that we're broken, Right? We're all broken. Um, and when we're able to acknowledge our own brokenness, I really believe that that's when God is able to minister in the midst of that. I, I often tell people, you know, I, I, uh, I function best when I'm broken. When I, when I acknowledge my brokenness before the Lord at the cross of Christ, is my brokenness and in the midst of my brokenness god's power comes into my life and i am more than a conqueror through christ so pulling down the strongholds it's like two sides of the same coin right two sides of the same coin think of it that way one side is my own brokenness the other side is who i am in christ and what he has enabled me to do and to be and to accomplish by his power, not mine, by his power, actively at work in my life. That's good. And that
0: was, that was kind of the last thing I, I had, actually, and you've already kind of gone there. Was I was like, man, I loved this idea that you talked about brokenness and how we need to be able to kind of find a place where we live broken. But that, that can sound bad, but I think you perfectly illustrated that, that it is completely within Christ um, that when we bring that brokenness to Him, totally not just be defined by that brokenness and kind of use it as like a, a a crutch or an excuse, but we're bringing it to the foot of the cross and saying, okay, I, I am broken. How can you work through me mm-hmm. type of thing? Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you. This was... Uh, I, I just had some great conversations that I, that were very eye opening for me, and uh, I want to just challenge people. Like, the more conversations you can have, I feel like usually the 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 better of a full picture we can kind of find. And so, thanks. Thank you. All right, thanks, Steve, and and Beth. His wife is here with him as well. Would you guys just kind of give it up for Steve? <laughs> and, and I want to just kind of finish us out here. Um, this idea of being broken, um, every single one of us broken as followers of Jesus. Like, uh, we believe that someday we, we aren't going to be broken. Like, that's, that's the hope that we have, that you and I have, is that we aren't going to be this way uh, forever. And, uh, you know, things are going to be made right by God. He's going to set things right the way that He intended to. Uh, but we aren't there yet. And right now, we live in a broken world. And we kind of are in it as, as broken people. And that can sound bad, but I want us to look at a passage of Scripture quickly and understand that brokenness is not a deficiency, but instead an opportunity. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Okay, so remember that. So Paul has, or is given what he refers to, as a thorn in his flesh. All right, and we have no idea what that is, but pretty much everyone agrees it's not an actual thorn, all right. But he's talking about something. Something has happened to him, uh, and the thoughts on it range from temptation to chronic eye problem or migraines or a speech disability. We we don't know what this thorn is, all right. And it says this, verse eight: three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time, he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul prays for healing, and he doesn't get it. All right, and, and it's tough to say that Paul didn't get healing because he didn't have enough faith. All right, it, if you want to accuse the author of two-thirds of the New Testament of not having enough faith in that moment, go for it. I'll let you have that argument someday in eternity with him. I'm gonna sit on the side and watch, and laugh. All right, but like it just, but I don't really want to focus on this idea of of healing right now. What I want to do is, um, is this idea of, of what really Is happening because of this thorn, because of this brokenness. God's response to his prayer was, My grace is enough. My grace is enough. Stop chasing after your idea of what you need. My grace, me, is all that you need. All right, like my power works best in weakness, my power is made perfect in weakness. As you know, that God is not attracted to strength and power. And yet, how many of us try to live our best life thinking then that, that somehow God is going to be more drawn to us? All right, And, and yeah, there's some lines where you could say, Well, when I, when I use the gifts He's given me, then I see in Scripture that He's probably going to give me more gifts to utilize. Yeah, like there's an idea of being a good steward there. But God is not attracted to strength and power. Like humans, we are. No one really wants to follow like a bad or poor leader. It's like, oh, I want that job. The boss is terrible, I hear. Like, they're they're just lined up the door to apply there. Like, we aren't attracted to that. And when we win a battle because of our strength or our intelligence, the focus is really on us. But when it is our weakness, God is able to show up, and the focus is on Him. And He gets the glory. God always chose the weakest. Like, we don't see this, but like, historically speaking, the Israelites... The Israelites were kind of like the runts of the area. All right? They were not this like, big, powerful nation that everyone was afraid of. God chose the weakest. And as they would conquer these other places, they'd conquer these nations. You would see what would be talked about by these other nations was this idea of the God of Israel. There was a knowledge that it was not Israel that was fighting that the God of Israel, and when, when the Ark of the Covenant would come into the camp, the, the enemies would just be terrified because the God of Israel has shown up. You know, God picks David, the youngest of all the brothers, the brother that wasn't even brought in to be looked at as a potentially king. And God chose him. All right, like Think about with, with like Gideon at one point. They're going to have a war, and God says, you have too many people. If you win this war, you're going to get the, the victory. You're going to get the glory of this. And he pairs them down time and time again until there's 300 people to go and fight. Because God's like, if you win with 300 people, nobody's going to think it's because of you. And yet we operate in our strengths. And, and, and I think it's because there's a, there's a part of our own personal pride that wants to share in God's glory. But that's not our role. The problem is we don't like our weaknesses. We're ashamed of them. We're embarrassed and we avoid them. And when we do that, we deny God a chance to show up and to work in our lives and to get glory in that situation. All right, the Greek word in this verse that's translated as uh, to weakness is asthenia. And it's the same Greek word that is translated as illness or sickness. All right, like if you look at the Greek words, they're translated just about equally to weakness, And some form of sickness. All right? So we could read this as like, my power is made perfect for you in in your sickness. And for when I am sick, I am strong. Like that puts a different spin on this. When you realize the word that they're using there is kind of this word that, that is used often for both of those. Any basketball fans? Anybody basketball fans? Any Michael Jordan fans? I mean, come on, you gotta be a fan of Michael Jordan, all right? In 1997, the Bulls were in the NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz, and Michael Jordan leads them to a victory in a game with 38 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. Okay? Like, it was crazy. But that actually was a pretty typical game for him in that era. But what made this so unique, and why everyone talks about this game, is Michael Jordan had essentially, he was incredibly sick. He had flu-like symptoms. This is called the flu game. All right? All right. Now, actually, what they think it is now, is it was food poisoning, potentially. But, like, he goes out, and he plays this amazing game. And what's amazing about it is really how weak he was in that moment. Now, obviously, that just gives Michael Jordan, like, double glory <laughs> in this. But when God shows up in our weakness, and someone's like, wow, you were able to do that despite the fact that you're, ter- you're terrified of public speaking. Wow, that's amazing. You were able to do that despite the fact that this. And in those moments, we're able to turn around and say, yeah, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me. God was working through me in this. When you are sick, when you are weak, and something amazing happens, you're part of something big. It becomes so much greater. All right? And here's here's where mental health comes into this. When we shove mental health into a corner and we say, don't talk about it, We don't understand it. We don't know what to do with it. And we're going to push it over there and leave it in that spot. What we end up doing is is we end up denying God a chance to work, a chance to show up in a crazy way, and a chance for him to be glorified. This is anytime you take a weakness and you shove it in the corner, you're saying, God, I don't want you to work through my life in that way. And as an organization, as a church, as the big C church in America, when we take mental health and we place these stigmas on it and we shove it into the corner, we're saying, God, here's a massive opportunity for you to show up, for you to work, and for you to be glorified, but we're not gonna let you do it. That's what the result of this is. And, And I think we need to realize that, you know what, God can be glorified in these situations no one clapped for me when I got out of bed this morning. All right? That's okay. Now I'm getting clapped for. There, there are sometimes though, in someone's life, it's a big deal to get out of bed that morning. It's a big deal to take those steps in their life. And honestly, for them to be able to say, to God be the glory. Because this is not in my strength that I'm able to walk forward today. This isn't his strength. But when we kind of deny that area and we look at somebody and on their bad day, they don't feel like they're able to, to get out and walk through this. And then we basically judge them based off of our bad days. like, oh yeah, I have days I don't want to get out of bed. And you're like, yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. And I, I think it's so important for us to be able to understand that. All right, and, and I labored over to where to go as I finished this. Uh, and I just want to do this. I think there is a, a habit, it's a human habit, but I think it sometimes is worse in the church, that when we don't understand something and we get a little bit scared of it and we don't feel like we have all the answers, that we begin to paint with a broad brush. And I think oftentimes we don't fully understand some of this partly because of our own personal experiences or lack thereof, partly because sometimes you can't necessarily understand it perfectly, right? Like there there are people that, you know, for one person, they might pray and they're healed and another person prays and they aren't. And one person might take some medication and their situation is greatly improved and for another, the medication didn't help at all. And maybe someone has a medical condition and another thing, kind of something even beyond that, that is spiritual, that is happening. And here's the thing, like we don't know. We don't know. This is situational in so many of these things, and we get so terrified of that. And we feel like we need to have all these answers that we don't ever lean into the unknown and saying, it's okay that I don't know this because God does. And it's okay that I'm not in on all of this information. I still have a role to play, and I don't need to have all that information to play this role. Like, I loved what Steve was saying. Basically, what our role is be the body of Christ. Be the body of Christ. We don't have to pretend like we have all of the answers all of the time. Because sometimes we don't, and that's okay. And, and this is a place where people come when they are hurting, and it's a place that should be filled with healing and love. But for a lot of people that find themselves in this spot, they walk through the doors of the church and they walk away feeling more hurt. I've heard that story time and time again, that someone who struggles with mental health goes to church and they walk away being more hurt than when they went through the doors. And I don't have all the answers in this, but I do know this. We are not going to be a church who hurts the hurting. not going to do it. Does that mean we always are going to know what we are going to do? Not necessarily. But sometimes we just have to be there. Like we have to be the first part of Job's friends and and not always the second part. And I I think that's the role that, that we need to learn to be able to fill and be comfortable in that. And when we do that best and we don't have all the answers, it actually gives God the greatest opportunity to be glorified because we didn't have the right thing to do or to say in that moment. And and that's so important for us. So I wanna do this. Can we just stand across the room? And I, I wanna just pray. And I want us to commit to being a church that is gonna comfort people, not hurt people. And that we are willing to to press into what we don't always know and what we aren't always comfortable with. God, I pray for those in the room that this this is their story. Lord, and I pray that today that they would just feel encouraged, they would feel loved, they would feel seen. Lord, if, if they've spent a ton of their life being ashamed of this, of, of hiding this, instead of being transparent and being vulnerable and and allowing, God, you to show up in their life and, and to be able to help work through some of these things. God, I, I pray that that this would be a morning that, that has just truly helped and encouraged. God, I, I pray for those in the room that, that they have a loved one, someone that they're close to that deals with this. God, that you would, you would really just give them the right heart to be able to lean into this and to be there for them. God, and I pray that if any of us, Lord, if we have had a mindset that has been unhelpful and potentially even hurtful, God, that you would point that out to us. And maybe in some of those things, even what we were thinking or what we were saying, maybe there was some truth to it, but sometimes we just... When we have truth, Lord, sometimes we wield it like a hammer and we just begin to just hit everything with it. God, I pray that you would learn us how to pair truth with love and in this situation that we don't know what that is, Lord, that you would just guide us in that. God, I pray that this church would be a place where people find healing. And God, that you would use us in the midst of that. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.